AIC Stories Podcast presents. Uh, welcome back, everyone. This is the AIC Stories Podcast, the audio archive, the entries into the audio vault, you could say, from here in lovely, remote northern Minnesota. Anyways, I'm a little excited this week because I've got something special for you. Um, when I was out exploring recently, I told you not long ago that I found a, a small town nearby. And I was over there visiting, met a few people, and found in that town they actually have a very small movie theater, which means I can watch movies in the theater. Now, it is small. It's basically a single screen. In the uh, the front of it, they've got like a gift shop. It's, it's really quite a cool place. Um, but uh, yeah, just a real small town theater. But I did go and see recently a, a film that... Uh, I was very intrigued by, and it was an entry into a franchise that possibly may have seen some overkill, but um, I thought, let's take a look at it. He's one of my all-time favorite characters. Let's see what they've done with this story, if there's anything new and interesting and different. And I've got to say, it was good. Now, I'm going to do something a little different that I haven't done yet, but I have mentioned it could be a possibility as the archive continues to grow. We're going to give you a second review this week. Uh, so when we go in here, let's get right to this. The next entry in the audio vault, the ASC Stories audio vault. For the review number eight, we're talking about Matt Reeves and the Batman. Okay, so let's get right into this. Like I said, this is uh, entry number eight into the review uh, section of the archive, the AIC Stories Audio Vault. And we're going in with our very first film into the archive on the review. Now, I've teased it and promised many times before that I wanted to start bringing films and TV series and everything into this. And today, we're going to do that. So let's take a look at the Batman. Now, there have been, over the years, so many different variations and takes on the character of Batman. We have the 1966 Adam West-driven Batman series and, and film, legendary. Uh, we have Michael Keaton from the late 80s, you know, 89 Batman and a, in the sequel in the early 90s. Um, fantastic. Brought Batman to the big screen for the first time in decades. Then we got into those, you know, Clooney and Kilmer years, which we don't want to talk about too much of that. Uh, they're okay, but they're not the best. Um, and of course, then things took a little break, and we moved into the amazing Christian Bale and Christian Nolan, uh, Christopher Nolan, I should say, Dark Knight trilogy with Batman Begins and, and Dark Knight Rises and all of that. And that trilogy was amazing. And then, of course, most recently, we got a version of Batman who was pretty polarizing, I'll be honest, though I did enjoy him. Uh, the very polarizing Batfleck, as he was dubbed in the <laughs> the public eye, Ben Affleck's take on, on an older, grizzled Batman as he took place and, and took part in the Batman v Superman stories and the Justice League and all of those. One could say, looking at that, that maybe 
it was time to just give this character a rest and explore some other superhero territory for a change. And I thought for a while that's maybe what DC was going to do because they came out with the version of the Joker uh, just a short while back, a year or two, whatever it was, um, where Joaquin Phoenix gave us a fantastic portrayal of the Joker, different than anything we had ever seen. Was it better than Heath Ledger? I don't know. They, they both have their merits, but I really enjoyed the the feel and tone of that Joker film. And I was excited to see more. I thought, hey, let's let's take this approach. Instead of making Batman the main character, let's make this dark universe and this grounded universe in which we kind of see all of the rogues gallery of, of villains and see their stories. And maybe Batman plays a small role in there or maybe doesn't show up at all. But thought that would be an interesting idea. Hasn't happened yet. But then... After much controversy, Ben Affleck was supposed to finally get his, his own feature film as Batman. He stepped away, whatever was going on there. Director Matt Reeves comes in and announces that he's got a new film in, the, in that universe. A new film called The Batman. And then he let us know that his version of The Cape Crusader will be played by none other than Robert Pattinson. And, well, I think it's safe to say, at least for me, the word of the day was uh, maybe cautious optimism or, uh, I'll be honest, maybe even extreme skepticism because, uh, I mean, really, how could the Twilight guy really pull off the role of one of the biggest badasses in the superhero world? It, it just, I don't know, I couldn't see how it could be possible. Could it? Well, the answer, after seeing this film, is yes. Yes, he could. A definitive 100% yes, Robert Pattinson not only pulled off the Batman, but gave us a stellar performance. It, it was wonderful. Um, he and Matt Reeves and the rest of the cast and crew brought us something with the Batman character that I think we've never really seen before in film. Very much so in the comics over the years, but never really on the big screen. Even though it's something very different that we've never seen before, it truly is a Batman and superhero story, but it just feels different. I'll explain. You see, we get all of the popular characters that we'll recognize from the comics. Well, not all of them, but you know, all the characters in this film we're going to recognize from the comics, I guess, is a better way to say it. We have the Riddler, the Penguin, Catwoman... Commissioner Gordon, Jim Gordon, well, he's not commissioner yet, but um, that character we're all familiar with, and, and, and many more, to be honest. The thing is, this film isn't a typical, uh, quote, comic book superhero-style film. It's not over-the-top, it's not cartoony, there's no big, flashy superpowers and, and you know otherworldly-type things happening. Instead, this film feels more like a gritty crime or mobster movie from say like the late 70s and honestly it's exquisite everything in the film feels incredibly grounded even all the cool gadgets and tech that alfred provides batman it all has a very real world feeling to it including the uh, bat symbol on his chest which doubles as a knife-like weapon which he can just grab and pop out it's always with him and pops back in it's it's very cool the design of the batman is is sleek and brooding and interesting but um, basically in short this film is is kind of just a beautiful throwback homage to the classic noir films of of those earlier eras and it really does something that most batman films most of the time ignore and that is that it allows batman to actually be 
the detective. It lets him actually work to solve a crime. Most of the time, he's relying on just some big tech and plot points and whatever else to get to where he's going and the action, 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 explosions, fights, and that's all we're worried about with Batman. But in this film, it's a much more restrained Batman. Now, there is a ton of great action sequences and everything else, but this film is long. It's, it's just under three hours long, and the pacing of it ebbs and flows and, and really builds that tension and suspense like you'd see from a crime thriller, suspense thriller, a mobster film, whatever you want to call it. Now, the key to any good Batman story is always the villain. If the villain is garbage, then the Batman, no matter how well he's being played, it, it just the story just doesn't work. I mean, we can look back to some of the uh, less than enjoyable or, or, you know, maybe most mocked type of villains when we see Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze or Jim Carrey as uh, the Riddler. We see Tommy Lee Jones as, as Two-Face, Harvey Dent. Some of these performances have been so over the top and ridiculous that they very much fit the cartoon version of Batman, but they don't make for a real serious and threatening villain. In this film, this is very far away from Jim Carrey's portrayal of the Riddler. Actor Paul Dano takes the Riddler to a dark place that has just the right amount of kind of that loose cannon mayhem style energy combined with his genius level intellect that is really pushing and setting up things in motion to try and pull off this master plan and really make those that he feels have wronged him pay. And for most of the film, in fact, almost all of it, he feels truly like a real threat. We see the Penguin in this film. Now, he's not the big bad, he's not the main villain, but he is present. And this is not the, uh, the Danny DeVito version, you know, quack, quack, you know, versions we've seen in the past either. He's played by Colin Farrell, and I'm going to be honest, he's unrecognizable as he portrays the Penguin. I did not even know it was him until I looked up the cast afterwards. He plays basically an up-and-coming mob boss in Gotham, and he's kind of an underling to the main mob boss, and we can see the seeds of the larger villain that he may or may not become in future films, if there are any. But when it comes to characters, the real stars of this film are Zoe Kravitz and Robert Pattinson. Now, Zoe Kravitz plays the Catwoman, and I know traditionally most films portray the Catwoman as being yet another villain. Michelle Pfeiffer's version, Anne Hathaway works with Batman a little bit in the Nolan trilogy, but uh, the you know the Batman '66, she was always teaming up with the Joker. Traditionally, Catwoman is a, a villain, but she's complicated in the comics. In this film, she's not the mentally unstable version that we've seen portrayed by Michelle Pfeiffer in the past. Not the more prim and proper version from Anne Hathaway either. This version of Selina Kyle from Zoe Kravitz is an independent woman that's super loyal to her friends and will stop at nothing to do right by them. Now, sometimes that's going to put her at odds with Batman. Other times, they're working together, and uh, it's wonderful. She's basically created this version of Catwoman that is a strong independent woman, knows exactly what she wants, why she wants it, even if sometimes her reasoning is a little flawed, and she's fully capable of taking care of business by herself. But what really makes it sing, and not to sound too mushy or anything like that, because, you know, there's no place for that kind of stuff in an action film. 
I call BS on that, but basically it's her chemistry with Robert Pattinson's Batman that is absolutely off the charts. It brings a character arc into these characters that we haven't really seen in a Batman film before. It taps into some of the more recent storylines between uh, the bat and the cat, I guess you could say. It uh, brings a level of emotional connection to an, an otherwise fairly one-note character, that of angst and anger in Batman that's, you know, he's out only seeking vengeance. Um, it, it brings... I don't want to say too much because I don't want to have any spoilers here, but it brings a level of character arc to Bruce Wayne and Batman and pushes this film, frankly, to the next level. I know, speaking of Batman, he's the he's the main star. Let's talk about him. Many will criticize Robert Pattinson's portrayal of Bruce Wayne. He's very, you know, I, I guess I've seen a lot of comments online, people saying, oh, he's too whiny, he's too emo, too much of a freak, he's a weirdo, this sucks, he's not the billionaire playboy, you know, all of this stuff. To that, I just simply say, you're wrong. When I looked at this version, at first it took a little getting used to because Bruce Wayne, as Robert Pattinson portrays him, is very reclusive. He is a little emo looking, although I think people are saying that more just because a lot of the time we see him, it's immediately after he's pulled off the cowl of Batman and he has black eye paint on his eyes for the mask to make sure there's no skin showing behind the mask. And so you see that and it's like sweated up and running and stuff, which does make him look emo. His hair is kind of long and, um, you know, falling down in his face a lot of times, whatever. Um, the thing is, when I looked at this, Bruce Wayne, and I thought about it as the, the film unfolded, this story takes place, as far as the, the film tells us, about 20 years after his parents were killed, which puts him at around 27, 28 years old, which means here we have a guy that is in his late 20s. He's grown up his whole life without a family, watched his parents be killed. He was raised by Alfred, who did his best to teach him to fight and be a man, but he didn't have a family. All he had is basically from boyhood to the time he became a man is one and only one thing on his mind, and that is vengeance. He wants revenge and vengeance for the death of his parents. And he's focused his entire life on doing nothing more than learning to fight, learning to become the Batman, to stop criminals, and to basically punch out his feelings without having to think about them. He doesn't fear death. In fact, there's a line in this film, and it doesn't really spoil anything, but he talks about how there's something that happens, and he swore he had conquered his fear, thought he'd never have that fear again because he doesn't even fear death. But now this thing happens, and he realizes that he is afraid of something still. It's part of the character arc we see by, by Bruce Wayne and, and the Batman. And the thing is, because he was never shown there was anything else to care about, nor was he shown how to care about it, that's why this version of Bruce Wayne, this dark, brooding, reclusive, um, you know, doesn't want anything to do with, with the public or his company even or anything else, that's why I thought it was actually pretty dang spot on. So, as Bruce Wayne, he is isolated and totally withdrawn from society. He hasn't yet become the billionaire playboy that we see in other versions. Maybe he won't. Maybe he will. 
But most importantly, Pattinson's portrayal of Batman and Bruce Wayne holds true to one of the biggest questions that faces any Batman variation. And this is why I loved it so much. Who is the real person? Is Bruce Wayne the real man? And, and Bruce Wayne is putting on the mask to become the Batman and uh, find his vengeance and everything else? Or is it the Batman who is the real person? And Bruce Wayne is basically just the version of the Batman wearing a mask to fit in with society. And that's what this film gives us in, in a wonderful fashion. I know a lot of other Batman films have mentioned that and talked about it a little bit, but this one is the first one I think that really kind of gives you that full uh, impact of that, I guess is the best way to put it. So um, the film... It presents a version where that struggle is very real between who's the real man, who's the real, you know, who, who's the masked version and who's the real man. And we start to see this evolution through that character from one side to the other throughout the course of the story. And a big reason for that, uh, this journey happens largely because of the help of Selena Kyle. We see Bruce evolve and find a purpose that goes beyond vengeance and, and punching bad guys. We, we see something happen where... This character now, by the end of the film, he's still the dark and brooding Batman that we all know and love. You know, the, the, the Batman that's cold and he just has all that built in, you know, bunched up and, and held down pain and, and everything else. But we start to see him understand becoming a hero, I guess, for lack of a better term. Okay, I think I've been rambling long enough. Let's, uh, let's kind of wrap things up here a little bit. First off, in case you couldn't tell already, I absolutely love this film. I left that theater feeling like it might be my favorite Batman film that I've ever seen, at least so far. I'm still thinking about that. Not sure if it takes that number one spot, but man, did I love this film. From the visual side of it, it was beautifully shot. I'm not going to go into too many details on that because, frankly, I could talk for another hour about all of that, the visuals, um, you know, all of that stuff. I love that stuff and, and could really geek out about it. But in short there, the mood and look of this film through the cinematography were just simply beautiful. The colors, the lighting, the action sequences were all just so good. Cinematographer Greg Frazier nailed the look of this film, and it seems to me that it just took Matt Reeves' vision and made it sing on the screen. Yes, we get tons of cool bat gadgets and vehicles, all the stuff you'd expect, but like I said, they all feel very grounded in reality. Um, but I will say this, everyone wants to know when you have a Batman film, what is the Batmobile going to look like? And I've got to say, the Batmobile we get in the Batman is possibly one of the coolest Batmobiles yet. It's not the... Um, you know, kind of comic book adapted version we saw in, in the Keaton films. It's not the tank looking monstrosity we saw in the Nolan films. This thing captures kind of a, a beautiful hybrid of the two. It definitely screams Batman. It's, it's badass, pardon the language, but it's also kind of built on a uh, a different structure you know we we see it in a scene particularly there's a sequence that is quite frankly nothing short of heart pounding intensity which does bring me to the last piece of the puzzle the sound and it's example that i'm going to give you particularly with the batmobile 
Um, the Batmobile is based on a more of a muscle car design, and it's it's just mm, it's so good. And when it comes to the sound, whether it's the roaring of the muscle car inspired Batmobile, the percussive soundtrack, or the subtle moments of hope where the music and, and things will kind of just swell and play lightly in the background, the music and sound design of this film by Michael, I, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, Giacchino, I think is superb. In fact, the sound is so cool, I don't normally do this, but I'm just going to play a, a short clip of the Batmobile sound as we hear it for the first time spooling up and taking off, and there's a little comedic moment they throw in there where the clutch gives them some problems. But it's just such a mean-sounding Batmobile. And the rest of this film, the music, the score, everything is just superb as well. This film is stunning visually, terrific story, and also just a treat to listen to in terms of the sound design, the score, the music, all of that. At the end of the day, I know there are some that are going to watch this film and feel it was just not their thing. I'll be honest, this is not a Batman film for young children. It's not a cartoony Batman. This is an adult story. It's not rated R adult, but it's just, you know, it's, it's a little more intense. Bruce Wayne, you're going to get a lot of comments that he's too emo or whiny. But to me, those comments really do just all miss the point of this film. This is a classic noir crime kind of mobster film that just happens to feature the Batman as the hero instead of a hard-boiled detective in a trench coat. This brings the DC Universe into a more grounded and story-driven feel without becoming too over-the-top or too ultra cartoony like many offerings are and frankly if they do more in this to expand the universe it may prove to be difficult to pull off with many of the other heroes who actually have superpowers i'd love to see him try it i'm not sure how it would work this kind of tone and feel just really to me has a has a vibe and a feel that is perfect for the batman stories but i'm not so sure it work as well for say the Superman or Flash or you know Wonder Woman, any of those type of characters. Bottom line is this, the Batman brings a fresh feel to a franchise that was beginning to feel, frankly, a little tired. And I, for one, cannot wait to see more in this style and feel. It's a bold new direction, and I am excited for all the possibilities it opens in this extended universe, especially if they can do more in the feel of this movie, in the feel of the Joker film a few years back. I just, I love it so much. So for me, Matt Reeves and his version of The Batman, I'm giving it a solid 5 out of 5 stars. Highly recommended. Now, if you enjoy the AIC Stories podcast experience, all of the episodes being put into the archive, the... Um, 
reviews and things being written on the website, please consider helping us out by sharing this review, sharing the podcast episodes or written reviews you love, telling your friends about us, and, and even giving us a follow on social media. You can find all of those links right at the main website at AICstories.com. Of course, While you're there, there are also links if you want to say thanks and help keep the archive growing here at AIC Stories in a more financial manner. You can always join us uh, by becoming a member over at buymeacoffee.com slash AIC Stories. Like I said, those links and buttons are all right there on the main website at AICStories.com. Whether you want to become a recurring member or just throw me a few bucks because you loved an episode and just want to say thanks, whatever you can do is amazing. Your support there goes directly into continuing to bring you the content you love, as well as allowing me to keep growing and expanding all that which is possible here in the AIC Stories universe. No matter how you support AIC Stories, though, I greatly appreciate it, and I truly do appreciate you spending some time with me each and every archive entry. So as always, keep reading, keep listening, keep watching, and most of all, Keep enjoying all of your stories, and I'll see you soon.